I just planted spring peas yesterday. Oh, I better go ahead and write that down in the planting database. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of March the 7th, 2013. Yeah, we're, um, there are all kinds of things that we should be recording on the planting database, and we're not. And I guess that's sort of one of the reasons we decided we needed to address this subject today. Uh, the, the subject is records, keeping records, keeping good information about what we've done and why and so forth. And we need to do a sort of a mea culpa here at the beginning and say we are not standing before you as people who are exemplary record keepers. We're actually pretty terrible at it. Yeah, we, we started out strong, but uh, we, we get busy. That's part of the problem. And, and I guess the, the reason that we are uh, devoting a program to this is because we're paying the price for some of our neglect on occasion. So Yeah, and, and in fact... Some, some things that are going on right now as we speak um, are leading us to conclude that. And it is the beginning of spring planting season, and you know pretty soon I'll have lots, hopefully, lots of entries we need to make. So it's a timely source of information for us, or timely, timely subject for us. Um, so we're, let's take them in order. I guess the one that is hot because it's so current is the location of our underground utility lines. No pun intended. Hot because it's so current. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have water lines and control lines for drip irrigation and power lines and gas lines running hither and yon in the on the core campus. And we just finished... Uh, doing some reworking of the landscaping here, and I guess we ruptured water lines about four times. Yeah. Luckily, they were easily reparable. Yeah. We didn't have to do without water for very long. But um, it just goes to show you need to have records of where, when you sink an underground line, of where that is. And you had pretty good records. Yeah, that's the uh, interesting part about this. The, the, we sort of knew where the water lines were, and we still ruptured them. Um, and we also knew where the ham radio antenna was, and we ripped it apart. Yeah. So um, it's just not a whole lot you can do, I guess. But it is it does make sense for you to keep very careful records of where everything is. And it's very difficult. It's easy to overlook it. Right, or just to get distracted, as I said, or, or too busy, and, th and move on to the next activity without really writing down or recording in some form what it is that you did. Um, and and, and you, were, you were going through some very old records oh, yes. today, and you developed some insight about the role of electronic record keeping. Well, yeah, because I, we had boxes that we've moved about, uh, most of which we packed up at our previous residence, which would have been about three and a half years ago. No, actually more like two years ago, because that's when we sold the house. But um, we um, apparently moved some boxes to that residence 
that had not been opened in a while. <laughs> because when I was going back through, like my father, his records that he left behind, um, he passed away in 1972. Um, he had retired. Quite young. Very young, 49 years old. And um, I'm an only child, uh, his only daughter. So I ended up with all the, you know, my, my mother just gave me all the boxes uh, when he retired. I guess I didn't bother to look through them to see that a lot of what I had were were um, correspondence from his job, which think back that long ago, most of that was in 68, 69, 70. There is no need for any of those records anymore. But today, that would all be in electronic form anyway. There wouldn't be anybody, you know, 40 years later going through a bunch of boxes and finding letters that were written. So, um, and of course, I was able to recycle and get rid of. But the point is, we have a lot of advantages that our parents' generation didn't have in terms of, um, because I, you know, the painstaking way I could see some of the handwritten notes that he had made to himself and typing things, but of course, on a manual typewriter too, apparently, um, that just we wouldn't have to do now. Um, I also found an old letter. This is a whole other um, subject, but cell phones have revolutionized things because, yes, I can make a call that's a lot cheaper. I, I was reading a letter I'd written to my mother when I was in college apologizing for a long-distance phone call I'd made to my boyfriend, who's now my husband, because it costs so much money. <laughs> and for this, I am grateful. Well, glad we were able to keep talking. But now, not only have cell phones revolutionized that, they have revolutionized record-keeping because you could actually be out you know, dictating into your iPhone yes as you and no. plant. Here's the downside of that. If, you know, if you, re if you look back on how we kept those records when we first started keeping electronic records, we probably kept them on five and a quarter inch floppy disks. That's now, true. Now, how many of us can read a five and a quarter inch floppy disk now? Uh, I can't, even, can't read even read the smaller. The three and a half yeah, inch, right. I can't even read uh, a three and a half. Disks. So, that uh, those electronic sources you're talking about are handy, except that we keep changing the form of them. And you and I are anticipating a day in the not-too-distant future when we may not have the means to read those electronic data sources. So in, a, in ways that you may not agree with me, your father's letter typed on the manual typewriter in his office at the prison might be much more permanent than our electronic records. Mm -hmm. Well, it definitely was. And I, we should say that my father was not in the prison as a, an inmate. He was a chaplain. He, he yeah. was a prison chaplain. Um, and he had a lot of correspondence to deal with inmates and their families and that kind of thing. But And you're exactly right. Those records have survived, whereas if I were relying on the Internet and let's say somehow I didn't have power or, heaven forbid, the internet goes down, or we lose or, the ability you know, of. If if you can and can recall, I guess it was nineteen eighty five to ninety when I remember using a personal computer. Yes, all my records from those days are gone because they were probably on five and a quarter inch floppy disks. You're right. Um, everything we wrote then, we had. Um, we had Apple IIe's at my office, and I don't have a single record of anything I wrote on an Apple IIe. No. You're right. It's uh, So it is a double-edged sword. And and those of you out there who have uh, the same dilemma we do, I think you just, 
You can make backup copies. You can make hard copies. But but if you make hard copies, that kind of defeats the purpose of going digital. So yeah, um, and uh, in our case, I guess what we've done since you know in the modern era anyway, every time there is a new metamorphosis of data transmission, we pass the data from the old manner to the new manner and and try to preserve it. But yeah, so and of course, so far, every time we change the method it holds a lot more capacity, so it's not that big a deal to pass it forward. Right. So, I mean, I think we're seeing that it's got, we have advantages, but if the only way we ever pass along knowledge um, about our planting, for example, uh, would be through, um, were to be through electronic means, we are in danger of potentially losing that if the grid goes down, et cetera. So, um, you know, I, I do think about other ways of keeping my records. Well, in our case, I mean, I depend on that farm log that I maintain daily. Right now, it exists only in the cloud. I don't have mm-hmm. a hard copy of it. I don't have a copy even on a local computer. Yeah. It's only on my server. So, um, so be it. Okay, now let's switch gears and talk about what you alluded to and at the beginning of the program, which is our maintaining records of what we've planted on Veg Hill. Right. Um, I'm just now planting my first seeds out there of the year, and um, we try to keep it in the database. We you know, write down or, or we record um, what type of plant it was that I planted. We record um, what brand of seed it was and you know when I planted it so that we have a sense of when it should be germinating and, you know, when it should be mature, et cetera. Um, and so, so we can look back on it in future, ye- in future years or succeeding years and say, did that work out well? Should we, re- should we do that again or yeah. should we change our strategy? That's right. But, you know, again, let's be truthful here. We have allowed a, a lot of things to go into the ground and, and be harvested without ever recording them in the yeah. database. We've so, just let it slip. We're going to try to do better this year. <laughs> we're going to be better, boys and I girls, know. we promise. What is it? The, the farmer's prayer once again. Dear Lord, I'll do better next time. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we are uh, doing a fairly decent job of recording what we're planting on the orchard just because it, we're, our, our plantings tend to be fewer, so it's a little easier to remember what we planted and when and so forth. And more permanent, too. That's Once right. Once you plant it, you don't it's not gone the next season. One thing that we've been terrible about is keeping track of what we have paid for things and where we have purchased them. That's, um, you know, I, I'm sure that I anticipated we would be doing a much better job of that than we have. Yeah, the one thing that I'm pretty careful about with that is I still have all my records of seeds, my seed orders. Like, where did I purchase them and um, how much did I pay for them? And that way I can... I won't say that I'm sitting there tracking that all the time, but, you know, I, that gives me a sense of, because I'm my goal is to spend less and less on seed every year, to have more of my own that I'm using, to maybe um, form a seed bank with uh, friends, fellow master gardeners, that kind of thing. And do more exchanging and less purchasing. Right. So uh, so that's one thing that I am keeping a record on and, and or a record of and trying to track. Now, seed starting, that's another avenue where we need to be keeping careful records and labeling. I think one thing that goes along with keeping records of any kind 
is just when you do put something out, a seed in the ground or a plant out, be sure to label what that is. Amen. <laughs> and we did a great job. I remember last year when we did such a great job of labeling all those tomato varieties we planted, and then we sort of put them in, out on Veg Hill and lost track of what was where. I will tell you part of the problem, and this goes is pertinent to the question of record keeping. Be sure that when you write something that it's going to stay written on. Um, I, tr- I thought I was so smart and found a cheap uh, tag or something, a little tab to put in my plants to label them. Um, we first tried those little popsicle stick things, and it turns out our dog, Adi, would eat. Th- you would lift them uh. out of the plant while they were out hardening off, and I apparently try to eat them. So I went with plastic. Well, the cheap thing I thought was going to work were old yogurt containers, and I cut them up and made little... You were so industrious, yes, I remember t- that. tabs, and I took a Sharpie, which is supposed to be permanent, and wrote on that tab what that was, what the plant was. Um, the weather faded that completely. I mean, once I put those out in the yard with that plastic yogurt container tab on there, the, it went away. It was just like a white we tab. We have since so. decided to splurge, and we bought a thousand of those white plant labels they were not expensive no they're not we bad bought them by the thousand box and we're we've learned when you write write in pencil write in pencil you can actually two advantages one thing it's cheap and the the pencil marking stays on there believe it or not no matter what the weather much more permanent than ink yeah and then you can reuse it erase it and start over and i discovered another thing about those last week when i was putting my seed containers or my the uh, domes over my seed trays you know, you don't want a really tall tab there if you're going to use the kind of dome that fits right onto the, the tray. It needs to be short enough to for the tray to fit. So I was able to cut those plastic tabs in half and use them Makes that sense. way. So um, it's kind of doubling your money, too, that way. So the recording what your seeds are when you started them, you know, identifying the plants, real important. And coming up now... We have not begun doing it, but we will soon, the 300-pound gorilla tracking our off-farm expenses. We have talked about that. That's one of our three principles. We want to spend less and less money off the farm each year. Uh, But we've not started doing that, and the main reason we've not been doing it is because we've been doing so many things we regarded as capital rather than expenditures and knew that anything we did to track off-farm expenditure would be what um meaningless basically yeah because well it would just would be hard to separate out what's capital and what's just daily living expenses in some cases so but we're nearing the end of the capital expenditures we expect we hopefully i'm sure there will be something that will come along but i think we've um pretty much spent spent the farm on the those capital projects and now we are approaching the time when it's just all about conserving and spending as little money as possible off the farm so that'll be a a, a new day for us and a little progress report on that we the landscaping's almost finished they have to come back in a couple of weeks and spread the asphalt but yeah it's looking good it's exciting to see that taking shape what we are Uh, describing is some changes here on the core campus, particularly between the lodge and the barn, where we have struggled with washing for some time. 
And now, thanks to Rodney Griffith and his folks, we have uh, constructed some berms that will divert the water um, in a little more orderly manner, and we're going to slow down, slow down the velocity in several different ways. And uh, we're just excited about what it can mean long term. Yeah, yeah, we think it's going to um, make it, well, the, the erosion was the big problem, but it's just going to be a more pleasant place to walk around, to drive through. So um, it's exciting to, to see it take shape. One thing that's exciting to report since last week is we have a few little seedlings popping up in the seedling trays. Yeah, we have green. We have, we started four different trays, and three of the four have shed their domes now because we have more than half of them germinated. Mm-hmm. And the fourth is showing good progress, so I think it'll just be a matter of a day or two before we can remove that dome as well. Yeah. So uh, we'll keep you posted about progress You know, on we that should front. mention about that. We had a little bit of a scare yesterday when I walked into the lodge and smelled uh, melting plastic. What had happened is we had that grow light a little too close to the seed starting trays. And apparently one of the lights, they're fluorescent lights, so they don't put out that much heat. But apparently they put out enough heat to... Um, in close contact with that dome, it was beginning to heat up the dome and cause it to emit that, you know, awful plastic odor. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, we caught it and we um, moved the light up the tiniest bit and everything's fine. But that is one thing to keep in mind for the future when we're starting those seeds with the domes that. You know, there is that moment when you got the grow light, but you still have a dome or two in place, and that's uh, a delicate moment for... Yes, and the other thing I discovered is that not all my domes were the same height, so it was one of the taller domes, I think, that was getting a little melty smelling. But no harm, no foul. We're ready to continue the process, and uh, hopefully soon we'll, that all four will be just free, free of domes and soaking up the light. That sounds wonderful. Thank you for visiting with us, and we will look forward to spending some time with you next week. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.